like it. <laughs> I was like, thanks, Dad. Um, when they went through picking everybody out, I was the last one, and I had all these drill sergeants in my face. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, my dad's right. You know, growing up from a young E4, like I said, I stayed E4 longer than I wanted to, but I made my mistakes. Yeah. You know, I got to know my kids. I, I didn't approach it from a dad approach sometimes. When they were facing problems, you know, I wanted to be that door that was open that they could come talk to. Yeah. to another episode of Tavern Talks. I am Travis Featherstone here with Brandon Horn. Uh, today we're gonna just do a little little bit of a leadership profile. Uh, talking about you are the former chair of Evets, right? And uh, you know good times stood up Evets. You brought the, the ERG through through quite a bit and and, and where we're at now. Uh, but wanted to do a little bit of a, a profile, rewind it back to, you know, let's talk about Brandon. Um, I want to know about you, because I've, I've only known you from a hey, NCO Brandon, I've known you from Eastman Brandon, I've known you from Evets Brandon, but take me all the way back to, you know, childhood, uh, where it all kicked off. You know, what journey did, did you take to get to the point where you wanted to serve in the military and then ultimately walk us through all your, you know, your career? Yeah, so I'll rewind it back. I think I was probably, we'll actually start with some childhood here. Um, I want to say I was 10, 11. Um, and I can remember my older brother. When you, know, you joined? Yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> when I joined. So I was probably 10 or 11. And... Uh, I watched my, it was 1989. I can remember that for a fact because my brother graduated high school and um, he decided to join the Air Force. And you know, I guess similarly to the military, I've shared a room with my brother. You know, we fought, mm -hmm. you know, he's much older than me, but my I wasn't afraid to take a, a, a plastic bat upside his head or something <laughs> like that. But, uh, and but run, and run what's to the age and, difference here? And run to mom, so he's nine years older than me. Okay, all right. So, uh, and then I'd run to mom, Well, cetera. you had to even the playing field, right? Yeah. Okay. I had, I had to take the advantage there, you know. But the day he left and signed up for the Air Force, you know, it kind of broke me down. I was sad because I was, I was losing that best friend. And then we'll fast forward a little bit, and Desert Storm happened. Mm -hmm. And I can remember as a kid sitting there just, like, watching the news every night. Most kids weren't watching, but I was thinking, yeah, my brother. Of course, he never went to Desert Storm. He stayed in. Uh, Could you differentiate between you know what Air Force was versus what was I, military and what was war? And I couldn't. I mean, okay. I just knew he was in the military. I remember their old slogan. You know, I had he had sent me stuff. It said "Aim High" on it. You know, yeah. uh, but uh, you know, I was proud of him. Yeah. Uh, and so when Desert Storm kicked off, you know. My brother was lucky not to deploy during that time, but because he was part of something bigger, mm -hmm. I can remember as a young kid, most kids weren't staying up at night watching yeah. the news, but I was up watching, you know, what's going on. And, you know, we had, I went to Kennedy Elementary in Kingsport, and we were doing a walk for Desert Storm, how many miles you walk, and I remember I led the school in miles for most, you know, because I wanted <laughs> to just represent my like brother, you know. Under, yeah. yeah. 
you know, I felt like Forrest Gump, you know. Uh, but, uh, and then we'll fast forward, you know, to my senior year. I, I hadn't, nobody in my family had ever been to college, so I, it was never really a thought process for me. And, and I was actually working at a Hardee's in Mount Carmel, and, um, is it still there today? It's still there today. It's still there today. Yeah. Uh, so Hardy's okay. in Mount Carmel is still there today. Wow. And I can remember one of my buddies saying, hey, I joined the Army. And I was like, I'll send the recruiter my way. I'll join. He was like, seriously? I was like, yeah. The recruiter walked in. He was like, hey. He walked into Hardy's. He walked into Hardy's <laughs> and said, hey, I want to talk to you about joining the military. And I was at work that night. And I said, let's do it right now. He was like, seriously? I was like, yeah, you got the paperwork with you? Okay. And uh, that was where it all started. Um, I joined the reserves initially. Well, talk me through. Uh, so you get off work at Hardy's. You got this paperwork, and you're heading back to the house. Are you, do you feel like your family's going to be receptive? Yeah. You think that because you know maybe your brother laid the found work. You know, my dad or, served in the army. Work. My grandfather father served in the army. Mm-hmm. Um, I really thought they would be receptive of it. Um, you know, I probably had some drive. My dad was probably my biggest critic. You know, he okay. was like, you'll never make it. <laughs> I was like, thanks, Dad. Um, um, but because I think when you get to that 17, 18-year-old age, you know, yeah. I was that rebellious teenager. Okay. And so he's like, oh, you'll never make it. You know, you know. I was like, oh, you watch and see. Um, was that an intrinsic like he he knew to say that I, I, just to motivate deep down you? inside there's no doubt in my mind my okay. dad knew to say that and yeah there's some psychology there i mean my parents did it too right you know like i don't touch that you know <laughs> absolutely and then uh, i do and then i learned you know that stove's hot so in 1998 i graduated basic training and my brother was there okay um, my dad was there, my mom was there, my mm-hmm. grandfather was there, everybody was there, and, and it was it was a proud moment for me. You know, I joined the army, I went reserves. Um, Where'd you do basic? I did basic in Fort Jackson, relaxing okay. Jackson, South Carolina. Okay. Was it relaxing? Like uh, no, I would back, say. Were you ready for what was about to so, you know, come your way? Or was so it just it, a big interesting punch to the face? story? I had two drill sergeants that both finished Ranger School. Okay. And uh, they got there and they said, oh, we're going to change this mentality <laughs> of relaxing Jackson. Well, lucky me, uh, I ended up with them. Um, so you have your reception day, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where they bring all the soldiers together and the drill sergeants ter- choosing their soldiers, et cetera. Well, earlier that day, I was walking by the company commander and I went to salute and he stopped and I ended up stepping on the back of his boot. Big mistake. Because when they went through picking everybody out, I was the last one, and I had all these drill starts in my face, <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, my dad's right. You know? How did that make you feel? I feel like that's like a, a game of like Red Rover. Right? Oh, they were playing with my head. You know, you I had, I had three or four different drill starts going, I don't want you, you're, you know, you're, you know the words they use at the yeah. same time, and yeah. I'm like, man, this is odd, and then finally I had these two, it was like, I don't want you, but guess what? I'm going to make your life miserable. Yeah. I was like, yay. Yeah. Um, but they, they, they chose me, and uh, you know, we got in there, and uh, we started going through basic training. I mean, just from a basic training perspective, uh, after about two weeks, I earned their respect, got appointed to the platoon sergeant for okay. our platoon right. in, in basic training. Showed that leadership potential. Yeah. Um, during the FTX, I mean, there was a lot of good times. I had fun doing it. Um, Do you still connect and, and keep in contact with... Uh relationships and folks you you met at basic no honestly i do not i ran (laughs) into one in 2004 uh, when i was deployed to kuwait um 
And I knew right away, we called him the old man because when I went to basic training, he was literally 40 years old. He was the oldest boot okay. camp guy we had, yeah. you know. I think every unit has that guy. Yeah, and I was right. like, as soon as I <laughs> seen him, you know, I that, I was an engineer at the time and I got assigned a gate guard for the day, you know. Okay. This was before I decided to go military police. But uh, I, I go out to gate guard and I'm like, man, this is going to be terrible. And I look out there and I'm like, hey, what's up, Marks? <laughs> you know, and... Uh, He's like, I don't remember you. And we started talking. He was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And we, we, we reconnected. You know, a lot of the people, I, I could tell you their names, you know. Uh, I've tried to look some of them up through our mm-hmm. social media platforms. The guys now, the guys I went to AIT with, where that's more MOS specific yeah. for us. Yeah. I went to Gulfport, Mississippi for AIT. I have stayed in oh, contact okay. with a lot of those. Um, I'm friends with four or five of them through social media. Disoriented, what, 10 weeks, 10, 15 weeks? Yeah, so you've got a a culmination at Fort Jackson. You get a culmination of jobs that all go to basic together. Mm -hmm. And they're like, all right, you're done here. Go do your specialty. Specialty. And and when I got to the specialty school down in Gulfport, Mississippi, you know, I've reached out to a lot of those guys. I've stayed in contact with a lot of those guys. Mm -hmm. I was actually stationed with some of those guys when I decided to go active duty uh, in late 2000. So, um, I guess we could fast forward a little bit. Um, I started a family really young, uh, so went to basic in '98, and by 2000, um, I had met my wife, and we had twins on the way. And my thought process was, I've got to provide. Yeah. How can I provide immediately? Yeah. I wasn't gonna walk into Eastman. Nobody's ever walked into Eastman. Uh, my dad worked at Eastman, so I was thinking to myself, you know. That's probably the best opportunity for me in this area, so, and I'm not going to get there immediately, so the mm-hmm. best choice for me is active duty. Oh, okay. Um, and we went down to MEP station, and I'll never forget, my wife, bless her heart, she's young, and I love her to death, um, but we went into MEP station, and they gave me the choice of Anchorage, and she's seen the AL. She said, where's that at? I knew my wife would never move that far away from home, so I said, it's Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> So she's like, okay, yeah, I'm fine with that. And the recruiter with his big mouth says, that's Alaska. And I looked over at him like I could kill him. I was like, man, I was getting ready to move to Alaska, you know. <laughs> um, and she's like, no, we can't do that. That's too far away from home. So we end up going to Fort Stewart, Georgia, uh, which is right outside Savannah. Uh, but if you ask my wife today, she regrets not doing Alaska. Ang- the Alaska. Yeah. Yeah, she was like, if I had to do all over, we should have went to Alaska. She she actually wishes I would have stayed on active duty. Yeah. Because she realized the camaraderie that existed, you know. Uh, some of my best friends still this day, Sergeant Major Lou Fire that's down in Fort Bliss, Texas right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, when he was a specialist, we were both specialists together. He was over at my house okay. every day, you know, for mm-hmm. dinner. And my kids actually refer to him as Uncle Enzo. He's from okay. Peru. Um Jack Swaby that lives down in Nashville. I mean, guys, I stay in contact. We were like a family. So I was, you know, I had all the single soldiers and here I was, the young married guy with kids. Yeah. So guess where everybody went? My house. Okay. And, and so my kids actually learned to love these guys. And there's been relationships developed with my kids with these older guys. Now yeah. they have families and, and we still talk and communicate and visit with each other. Um, but I think that was probably one of the biggest steps in my life was going on active duty. Yeah. And, you know, September 11th kicked off, so I went in. My initial inception, I signed the paperwork in 2000. I went on active duty in February of 2001. Um, 
Oh, wow. In about May, I went down and spent two months in Puerto Rico building a uh, rappel tower for the Special Forces, a shoot house rappel tower. Mm-hmm. Came back, wasn't back two or three months, and then September 11th happened. Yeah. And, you know, that's... You know exactly where you were? Oh, yeah, I know exactly. Uh, I think we talked about this in one of our earlier episodes, but there was another guy that lived on base. It's, it's kind of funny. I'll never forget, I lived at 7451A, Kanju Court. Okay. At 7451D, Kanju Court, was another guy that was a specialist at the time with the same first, middle, and last name as me. Really? So, and I didn't know it at the time that he lived that close to me, but I was looking for him because mm. I was getting all his bills. He didn't like to pay his bills, apparently. <laughs> Um, so I had, there's like this $700 water bill shows up and I'm like, Whoa, I don't know, $700. That's not on post, bill. is it? It was on post, but it was oh. his off post bill okay. before he moved on post that they were sending to me. Okay. And so I got to find this guy, you know, and I had to go to the, well, <laughs> this first, isn't a story about how Brandon Horn dips out on bills. Right? Yeah. So, so I went to the power company and water company and they're like, well, give us your social security number. And they verified it. They're like, oh yeah, that's not you. I was like, yeah, I tried to tell you it wasn't me. Uh, so I remember I walk into this guy. I finally find this guy. He's part of a tanker unit down in Fort Stewart. <laughs> Tankers. And okay. I walk in, and you know how your company area is set up, and they've got the TV on, and I see that plane crash into a tower. Mm-hmm. I'm young. I mean, I'm 20 years old. I'm like, oh man, what movie is that? I haven't seen that one before. And they're like, this isn't a movie. Yeah. I was like, what? They're like, this isn't a movie. And my heart, like, just dropped down to my stomach. I was like, yeah. you're kidding me. They're like, this is happening right now. You need to get back to your unit. Yeah. I said, well, make sure this guy pays his bills. And I walked out. Yeah. But I can remember riding across base that day and just thinking to myself, something's getting ready to go down. Mm-hmm. You know, this is big for me. And uh, a funny story, and, and believe it or not, and I'll... I was listening to the radio station, and I can remember um, the news talking about potential targets across the United States. And I don't know if they were talking about BAE or Eastman, but they listed the top top five potential targets. And Kingsport, Tennessee was listed as one of those when I was listening to the radio. So here I am in Savannah, Georgia, thinking, oh my God, my family. Um, so everything just sunk in at that moment in time and I remember getting back to the unit that day and they were like hey we're not going to release anybody um, until we figure out what's going on this is bad etc you know I think there was a I think we failed to realize there was an initial recognition of what was going on so literally the night September 11th happened our battalion commander pulled us in and said pack your bags we're going, we don't know when or where, but we're going. So, and tell your family. Now, warn them right now. And I can remember going home that night and telling my wife, um, hey, I don't know where I'm going, don't know when I'm going, but I'm going. And I actually packed my bags that night. And, you know, for the next month or two, I served a lot of gate guard. Uh, Maybe that's what led me towards being a military police officer in the long run. Um, but Fort Stewart was an open base. You know, you yeah. could just come and go as you please. And that right there shut everything down. Oh, so you, yeah. You, All the bases did that. Yeah, I mean, it was an immediate lockdown. So you went from being able to just ride on the base September 11th to September 12th. It took you four hours to get through the front gate. Yeah. 
Uh, and they took it seriously. I mean, they were dumping everything out. You know, you come in with a duffel bag. They were dumping it out on the ground, <laughs> going, pick it back up, put it in your car, have a good day. <laughs> um, so I deployed. Um, we were initially supposed to go to Turkey. I don't know if you remember, George Bush was trying to work out this deal with uh, Turkey. Mm-hmm. And that's where we were initially supposed to go, but it never worked out. So we ended up in Uzbekistan. And when I got to Uzbekistan... Um, What's your rank at this point? I'm a specialist. Okay, you're still a specialist. So uh, you say it like it's a bad thing. <laughs> Why? Well, I'm, I'm we trying call to, that the sham. Trying to gauge sham the, rank. So <laughs> trying to gauge uh, how long you were a specialist. <laughs> too long. Uh, so All right. um, we get to Uzbekistan and we're there. You know, 10, 15 days. We're, we start working on projects, pouring concrete pads. I was part of the K2 uh, group. If you do your uh, research on it, it's sitting in front of Congress right now. Uh, There's a lot of depleted uranium on that base. There was about 8,000 of us that were extremely exposed. Mm-hmm. And so they're doing a lot of research. But I ended up at K2. Uh, it's called Carney Kashbad, I think is how it's pronounced. Um, but we were there like 15, 20 days, and they were like, everyone pack a bag. Mm-hmm. We're going to pick six of you guys, and you're going to go into Afghanistan, and et cetera. And we're talking, September 11th happened. This is November, so yeah. Not that 40 long. days yeah. after September 11th. Um, so I packed my bag, and I'll, I'll never forget. I was like, man, they ain't going to pick me. Come on now. <laughs> and I'll never forget. Uh, I was laying in bed one night, and uh, they come down and said, grab your bag, go to the flight line, you're gone. And I was like, and that was, that was kind of like, that oh wow moment you know mm-hmm. it was like it's getting ready to get real and uh, I remember going down and hopping on a Chinook uh, and heading into Afghanistan and I can remember the rounds flying at our Chinook on the way in and landing in Kandahar Air Base and uh, them guiding us through the dark hours of the night to a room I didn't even know where I was at it was just so pitch black and you know I'm 20 years old at the time and I'm like you know, what have I got myself into? I've mm-hmm. got young twins at home. My wife was actually pregnant with my son at the time. And I was like, wow, what have I got myself into? Um, but, you know, it all worked out. And, you know, that was where I met General Harrell uh, that spoke for us t- three years ago mm-hmm. for uh, yeah. um, Veterans Day. You know, I met General Harrell. Uh, I was actually, like I said, I was an engineer. I was building some shelves for him one day because every general needs shelves when we're in combat. Um, but I was over there <laughs> building the shelves, and he walked in. He was like, hey, how you doing, young soldier? And I'm like, good, sir. And he, our act, my, I guess my accent, he was like, where are you from? I was mm-hmm. like, I'm from Kingsport. He's like, no, I'm from Jonesboro, you know. Yeah, all right. And we so kind of developed right that relationship corner. right out of that. And so here I went, this E-4 that had a relationship with a one-star general who was the commanding general over all special and Delta forces at the time. Yeah. And so I started getting all these extra privileges that the platoon <laughs> sergeant didn't get, you know. Um, you know, I could go in certain buildings he didn't have access to. Yeah. And it, here I thought I was hot stuff, uh, <laughs> you know. But it was, a, uh, my first deployment was probably the wildest experience. Um, I think I've told you guys in the past how I was probably this close to being all over CNN news, but didn't make it there. Um, just because of a simple mistake as a young kid. Yeah. And so you learn from those mistakes. Yeah. Um, um, talk, talk, talk to me a little bit about like 
the reception coming back, right? You know, whether it was that deployment, <coughs> excuse me, whether it was that deployment or other deployments, what was the, what was your mindset like? What was the reception? Yeah, you know, friends and family, you know, that sort of thing. You know, obviously family is always so welcoming mm -hmm. when you come home. And I could see, so there were changes from when it, the war first kicked off to current times. Yeah. Um, you know, I can remember there was no leave then. You didn't get to go home for two weeks. Mm -hmm. You know, we flew over on a C-17. We came back. Um, I came home on emergency leave to see my son born, and they actually let me stay home. Mm -hmm. I came back from Afghanistan. But I was part of 3rd Infantry Division, so we turned around and went back to Iraq. Yeah. When we came back, uh, so I didn't get that welcoming home when I came back from Afghanistan mm -hmm. because I surprised my wife. She didn't know I was coming home oh, to okay. see my son born. Oh, that's awesome. I had a buddy pick me up at the airport. I showed up on the front door, and she had no idea. Yeah. Um, but when I came back from Iraq, you know, I can remember <laughs> my daughters were crawling when I left, you know, or they were barely starting to walk. But when I come back, they were walking, they were starting to say words, mm -hmm. and there's my son. And I was like, wow, you know. How much have I missed? But we had the parade filled filled with people at Fort Stewart, Georgia. You know, yeah. when Third Infantry Division came back. Uh, the next deployment for me was in Kuwait. I can remember the welcoming we got from the local community up here in Gray. Yeah. Uh, you know, buses pulled in. The news was there. Everybody was there to welcome us home. Um, 2010, 2011, when I deployed the last time, um, I had family welcome me at the airport. We flew into Fort Dix, New Jersey. We did our demobilization process. Mm -hmm. And they kind of sent us on our way. You know, I'm sure that the unit that I went with got a big welcoming home. They were yeah. out of Cumberland, Maryland. But I wasn't part of that unit, so they just said, hey, here's your plane ticket to go back home. I yeah. called my wife. I called my mom. And I said, hey, I'm coming in the airport yeah, that lady. day. And, and they're waiting there with the signs, the I love yous. Yeah. And, and I kind of did the same thing for my brother. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we talked about earlier how he joined the Air Force. We actually served together from 2012 and on. Oh, so wow. he came back in the Army, he got smart and got out of the Air Force and joined the Army. And he came in as a commissioned officer. We started out in the same unit in Bluefield, West Virginia as military police officers and I ended my career with him in Nashville. Yeah. Um, but when he deployed uh, about four years ago, you know, I was his welcome party because I know how important it is to yeah, have somebody absolutely. there. Um, so that was, that was the biggest, biggest thing, you know, I mean, it's there, you know, I, I definitely feel fortunate that we live in an era, you know, I, I can't fathom what some of the guys in Vietnam went through. Mm -hmm. And we know. Yeah. I mean, you know, there were guys that were spit on, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, we live in a different time, a very receptive community uh, area uh, and time where I think September 11th really changed perspective yeah. in America. Yeah. All right, so kind of full circle. Tell me a little bit about, about family now. Yeah, so, you know, I got my family now. See, I've got a 22-year-old that lives in, that's my stepdaughter. She lives out on the lake. Uh, I wish I lived on the lake at 22 years old. <laughs> um, you know, she's going to college. Uh, you know, I've got twins and a son that still live at home. Um, my twins are 20 years old. Uh, one goes to college in Emory and Henry. Uh, the other one's looking at Lincoln Memorial University. You know, they've done well. They, I encouraged them to go get their education versus mm -hmm. joining the military. You know, I, I told them I felt like I'd done my part uh, for the family, so go get your education. Yeah. Um, 
get prepared because I th honestly I think it's easier to succeed, you know. And my son, he's 19 year old. Um, um, he's going to school at Highlands Community College, wants to go to Virginia Tech, become an engineer. You know, I got one that wants to be a veterinarian, one that wants to be a lawyer, and one that wants to be an engineer. So I feel like I'm pretty well covered. Yeah. Um, I've told him, look, I want the nicest retirement home you can possibly afford <laughs> between the three of you. Yeah. Um, but no, I kind of explained it to him. And, you know, I went back to school myself. It's been about five years ago now. I got mm -hmm. my bachelor's degree. Because um, I did start out young. I did join the military. Yeah. And uh, granted, I did a lot of mine online. So I had a lot of the pre-COVID experiences. And I was able to help my kids through doing the online school. Oh, absolutely. Because yeah. I did all my college That's online. It's a different dynamic. Yeah. Um, but I did it. I wanted to prove to them that, hey, you know, you know, my kids looked at me and said, you joined the military, you didn't have to go to college, and you still, you've done well for yourself. Yeah. I was like, but not as well as I would have liked to have, you know. Um, so talk to me, I guess. <clears throat> what is one of the, the key leadership learnings that you had, you had taken away from the military that you think has helped you be... Uh, a better father, a better spouse, husband, you know what I mean? Like, a better person to your family. You know, honestly, it's just getting to know them. You know, I would say military, just getting to know them personally. Yeah. You know, yeah. I got to know my kids. I, I didn't approach it from a dad approach sometimes. When they were facing problems, you know, I wanted to be that door that was open that they could come talk to. Yeah. Without having that judgment. Uh, of course, I still, you know, I was still the tough dad that yeah. wanted to discipline kids, but... There were, I wanted to be that shoulder they could lean on and express their emotions to uh, when something went the way they didn't want it to go. Uh, I don't necessarily think every kid has that. Um, I know I didn't have it. I always felt like I had to keep my emotions closed to my dad. Like I said earlier, you know, he said I couldn't make it through basic training. So I had to keep those emotions bottled up. But, you know, one of the things I learned through leadership process was you know, growing up from a young E4, like I said, I stayed E4 longer than I wanted to, but I made my mistakes. Yeah. I grew from those mistakes. And that's, and that's honestly, that's what I've tried to explain to my kids most. Um, you know, my son had an incident um, at work one day, and we kind of talked about leadership, you know, uh, versus being a leader versus a manager. Yeah. You know, one yeah. of the conversations yeah. we've had in an earlier podcast um, was what the difference is, you know. Yeah. Uh, he had an incident at work, and honestly, his manager handled it the wrong way. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of had that conversation with him. I said, look, there's there's a difference between a leader and a manager. This is I just go talk to him about it if you don't feel comfortable. Yeah. And he was able to have that conversation based on what we talked about. So, I, you know, I learned a lot of things. I guess one of the biggest things I learned in the military was, you know, no matter how many mistakes you make, you grow up from those mistakes. Mm -hmm. But you, they ain't going to get rid of you. Yeah. You know, you can make, honestly, in the military, you can make some ultimate mistakes, but you get out and you're, you're just paying the price in the military. You know what it is. Yeah. Um, you get out and do something different. stupid. Yeah. Yeah. So I try to be there for my kids and my family and understand that, hey, I'm here. These are the experiences that I've went through. This is what I've learned. Um, honestly, I had a conversation on the phone last night with my 22 year old daughter and and we had a lot of conversations she was like 
you know, you were right about this and you were right about that. I was like, oh, I know, I'm, I'm never wrong, but, you know. <laughs> but you know, you learn. Yeah. Um, and, and I think my dad, uh, being prior military, knew yeah. that I would learn uh, if he pushed me, yeah. and, and I learned. Um, I think adaptability, you know, we've talked about it so many times throughout mm-hmm. this, is the ability to adapt and live in different situations, you know, um, from being a dad, my kids want to get out of this area now and experience different things because they experienced it when they were younger. They're they're not tied to this region, and I've always expected them not to be tied to this region. There's a lot of great things about this area. Don't get yeah, me wrong. Absolutely. But I think getting out and experiencing other cultures. Oh yeah, I miss it. I've I've been here for about six years. Yeah. And prior to that, father worked at Procter and Gamble, and so it was moving every two years. You know, so I I kind of miss that and did that in the military. Right, you get to see different cultures, different, you know people, different languages, different religions, all that stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's so much different. I think my kids learned that, you know, they, like I said, talking about Uncle Enzo, Enzo Lufire was his mm-hmm. name. Uh, I know he wouldn't care for me mentioning it, but he was Peruvian, and he actually wasn't a citizen because his parents came here, and, you know, he earned his citizenship through the military. Yeah. Uh, and now he's a sergeant major in the United States Army. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Fort Bliss. Uh, but my kids, you know, it wasn't that it was just one of my buddies. It was Uncle Enzo to them, yeah. you know. He become part of the part family. Of the family. Yeah. And so I think they realized that you don't have to be blood to be family. Mm-hmm. Relationships can be built. And I think they've kind of took that in their young age to their workplaces in helping people and working yeah. with others. I think that's a, that's an interesting point you just uh, you mentioned too right there is, you know, I mean, even, even some of the relationships, even if you haven't, you know, kept as, as in close contact with folks in BASIC or AIT, you build relationships in the military that you generally don't get to build elsewhere. Uh, it's not saying you can't, but I'm trying to think of other companies that I've worked at and relationships I've built there, and they just don't seem to hold up to, damn, I, I was only on, the, on this post for two years, but or I only deployed one year with this guy, and... You know, and, and, and I, you know, to this day, hit them up every other week kind of thing. Yeah, I could say this. You know, before I started working with Eastman, I worked for a contractor out here, Moody Sprinkler. And, you know, I love those guys, great guys, developed relationships. And I say hi to them when I don't see them, mm-hmm. but it's not like the guys in the military, you yeah. know. Me and my wife just recently got back from vacation, and uh, we, we drove to California and back. And I don't think she expected for us to stop and say hi to so many people that I haven't seen in years. Yeah. But, you know, she was like, she was nervous about meeting some of the people that she had never met. Uh, but at the same point in time, when she met them, she was like, wow, like great people. Yeah. It's like your family, you yeah. know, Denver, Colorado. I stopped out and talked to one of my buddies uh, uh, who's a major uh, in the reserves now. And we stopped out and talked to him and had a nice dinner. And she was like, Y'all really are family. She yeah. was like, I mean, I seen it when I was on active duty. She was like, but it carried over the reserves, too. Mm-hmm. She was like, you guys really develop a relationship. And it's like, you haven't seen each other in a year, but it was like when you came back together, it was yeah, like it just everything clicks. just clicks. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, awesome, Brandon. I, I appreciate you sharing some of your, your story today and uh, some insights into you and some of the you know leadership takeaways that you've had. Can't wait to get you back on again. We're going to talk about some interesting stuff. I'm looking forward to you bringing to the table all that the VA and the Veteran Affairs 
has to offer. I think that's going to be an exciting episode to talk through just so much, your, your vast knowledge uh, of some of those ins and outs, uh, some of the benefits that our, our veterans can take part in. Um, I myself, you know, probably don't take advantage of, of all the things that are out there. So Definitely important. Yeah. So thank you again. I appreciate get, you know, getting a little bit more insight into who you are and uh, appreciate your leadership uh, with EVETS and I'm uh, excited for episodes to come. Sounds good, bud. All right, thank you.